Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lo Tolst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. Keep the music flowing. We'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to The Spark Parade, a show where I talk to amazing people about the art and culture that's shaped their lives. I'm Adam Unz. Thank you ever so much for joining me. Coming up on today's episode, I had a fantastic chat with DJ, producer, and activist Zeke Thomas about his love for Michael Jackson. Now, obviously, Michael Jackson is a person who is not without controversy, to put it mildly. And we do touch a bit on his personal life, but this is primarily a conversation about Zeke's love for Michael Jackson's music and his performances. I just want to manage expectations before we jump in. If you're looking for a deep dive into the allegations against Michael Jackson or a discussion surrounding the recent documentary about his accusers, that's not what you're going to hear. Those are extremely vital topics, and I might discuss them with another guest someday, but this particular chat is focused on Michael Jackson's body of work. So listen to the conversation and DM me or comment to let me know what you think. That is what social media is for, right? Great! But before we dive into my conversation with Zeke, I want to talk a bit about acting. You always want to talk about acting, Adam. That's not entirely true, but I'll admit that I talk about acting a lot. Sue me! So listen, I went to see a play this weekend, and there were two styles of acting in the cast. Subtle and razzle-dazzle. Subtle meaning that some of the actors were trying to convey emotion realistically and sensitively. Razzle-dazzle meaning actors who look like they're auditioning for a very broad musical hamming up the emotion and making everything as loud and obvious and unnatural as possible. And that got me thinking about how acting styles develop. Some of it is innate. Talent is something that can be developed, but it doesn't magically appear in the talentless. There has to be a foundation of natural ability. Other parts of an actor's toolbox can come through training or learning on the job. And cultural attitudes towards acting training are very different in the U.S. and the U.K. In the U.K., drama school is serious shit. It's focused on making you the best actor possible, and the training system has roots that are hundreds of years old. The content of those courses may vary from school to school, but the bones are the same. In this country, it's kind of a fucking free-for-all. Some schools adhere to something approaching a British standard, but all universities require students to study other things. British drama schools and American conservatories are all acting all the time, and I think that's probably how it should be. The bits of acting that can be taught really require discipline, and I don't think that's possible when your focus is split. But no matter how good someone's training is, it won't account for the stark contrast between natural acting and over-the-top acting. A quick glance at the playbill for the show I saw told me that some of the worst hammy acting culprits were trained in hardcore British drama schools. We're talking RADA graduates. 
and they looked like they were in a Monty Python sketch in the middle of a very serious play. So how does truly natural acting come about? Part of it will be their training, part of it falls on the shoulders of their directors, but the truth is that the biggest part, at least to me, is the part that's already there to begin with. The part that can't be learned. They're born with it. And that means that no amount of fancy training is going to make those hammy actors truly able to understand subtlety. Don't agree with me? Fight me. Not literally, please. Just send over a respectful DM on Instagram or something. Okay? Thank y'all! And now, I think we've had more than enough of my incoherent rambling, haven't we? So let's move on to my chat with Zeke Thomas about Michael Jackson. So, Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My normal kind of first question is always like, uh, when did you discover whatever you want to talk about? But that's kind of like saying, when did you first become aware of the sun? You know, like, (laughs) I'm assuming he's probably always been there in your life. Michael Jackson, I mean, Jackson 5, and then growing up, Michael Jackson, he always was playing in my house, and Mm -hmm. then the music of Motown was always playing in my house. I can remember putting on shows (laughs) to Michael Jackson, actually selling tickets and pretending I was Michael Jackson, (laughs) selling tickets to like my parents and their friends, and they put up seats and they'd watch me perform Michael Jackson songs. (laughs) I, you know, black and black or white thriller. Remember the time there's just something timeless about his music that literally makes me just makes me light up. And, you know, it was, it was always just a fascination. I mean, him being the superstar, right. You know, the pinnacle of music success mm. and perfection yeah. in a sense. Um, that's what really inspired me about Michael was realizing how much of a perfectionist he was. For example, the song Rock With You, Yeah, he recorded it 77 times and then knew the version that he wanted to use, which mm. was version number 16 and he would record you know just certain sounds over and over and over and over and over again just to get it perfect yeah the dance moves the staging it all just was so perfect and such a vision that's one thing that i love about music is the storytelling aspect and the performance aspect. You know, people always ask me, you know, what are my favorite artists as we're sitting here today? What inspires is, you know, I always loved big performers and big shows and nobody put on a show like Michael. Watching old YouTube clips and videos, there's it's just magic, you know? And so many first as well so he you know pioneered so many elements of, of the music industry that are standard today 100%. Um, you know i think if not singularly he definitely was a huge driving force behind the music video becoming a, a thing that people paid attention to definitely i um, mean his his videos when you think about it they used to premiere on like fox and nbc and like right like you would you would 
look forward Michael Jackson's video is premiering tonight at 8 p.m. on NBC and millions of people would tune in just to watch a four-minute video because it was that good it was that captivating and you know when you when you even think about the person chasing the success i feel that we all get into our heads about what success is reading about michael and studying him you know thriller being the biggest album ever and for him releasing bad after that which also sold 21 million copies is also one of the biggest albums ever. That was a failure to him yeah. because it wasn't bigger than Thriller. And then Dangerous after that, we did 17 million copies and it, because it wasn't bigger than Bad, it was always chasing a ghost. Even if you're the, you're the, you're the greatest thing, the biggest thing in the world, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, I think that is the double-edged sword that I saw and see, you know, in terms of my own development as a musician, as a human being, Mm. you know, is what is success. And once you reach a goal, how do you say to yourself, okay, I did this just because it's not as big as this as whatever did it make me happy? You know, Mm -hmm. happiness had to be a success. And I feel that one of the things that, you know, everybody well documented is, was Michael Jackson truly a happy person? And I mean, I think in so many ways, not just in terms of the records that he set and the the ways that he pioneered different elements of the music industry and recording and uh, videos and performance. Also, his life was absolutely extraordinary from the time he was you know he started performing with the jackson five when he was like six or something yeah so i'm sure he might have had a few memories before that but in reality all his his memories were generally just adult memories Mm. adult experiences right you can see how that trauma would mess anybody up Mm -hmm. but also you can see how that much work and that much drive at such a young age became godlike there's so many people who have said you know michael inspired them and michael did this but we have never seen anybody else with that much presence and that much force and i don't know if we ever will which is insane to think about you know when you think about all the people who came before and even the people who inspired him Mm -hmm. like james brown like James Brown is a shit compared to Michael Jackson, yeah, which yeah. is insane to say. Yeah, yeah. But uh, also, just I think so much of it is a product of of the time as well. That I don't know if it's possible, even even an artist who could theoretically achieve his level of fame. I don't know that the sales would be there because it's not I mean, a different yeah, landscape, yeah, but, you know, and all that stuff. Like setting those records, having this like insane legacy that uh, there's so many elements of it that for whatever reason probably can't ever be matched the artist and even the superstar used to be kind of like a mystery everybody used to be a mystery there were always Mm -hmm. the rumors the gossip but you wouldn't see them you couldn't tangibly touch them as you do now with social media and you know twitter and instagram and just the access that we have to these superstars i mean even 
you know, if you talk about Beyonce now, mm-hmm. Beyonce seems accessible. Mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian seems accessible. Like we see these people, we know their daily lives. We kind of know what they are. We didn't know Michael Jackson until, you know, the later years of his life. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of just, wow, he's amazing. Wow. And then, you know, you'd read about in the tabloids, like Michael Jackson sleeps in an oxygen chamber mm-hmm. and Michael Jackson has the elephant man bones and you know, just like random crazy things that wouldn't even be tangible today in terms of a rumor. And I, I guess if those rumors were around, that there would be more pressure to refute them or to like acknowledge them in some mm-hmm. way. And he always just, you know, it was like... Kind of just let it, let it go, let it yeah. ride, let it... And, you know, they've, from a few different people who knew him, I've seen interviews where they've said that his speaking voice was much lower in private. His public-facing persona was the, the performance. It was part of who, who the, the projection of, of, you know, Michael Jackson in all capital letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he had this private side to him that only people who he was close to knew. And, again, even, you know, even with... The Kardashians, it's like, you know, it's a cultivated, micromanaged version of their life, but they still want you to feel like you have complete access to them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a different time. Social media didn't exist, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, he didn't feel like he needed to give those parts of himself to to everybody. Um, Or at least those parts, he, the, the way he controlled it was by having this, it wasn't really a character, but it was like. It definitely, yeah, definitely. You know, like you just said, there was Michael Jackson and there was Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I feel like all the great artists of that time, of you just said, that time period, it just was, it was different. It was, you know, we were, we were waiting for the song to come out on the radio. We were waiting for, you know, now, now things are just so, you, you get a new song every week. One of my friends actually said, you know, I'm waiting for the new Kendrick Lamar album, and oh yeah, I just forgot that he produced the whole Black Panther soundtrack. <laughs> like your your patience as a consumer now for music is so instant. You know, I can remember Usher not releasing albums like seven years in between, mm-hmm. and that was acceptable. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, Michael yeah. Jackson four or five years, six mm. years, and that was acceptable. Yeah. You know, it's Michael just, and even the clothing, mm-hmm. you know, let's talk about, you know, what he wore, you know, the military jackets, yeah, yeah. the gloves, the, even the fedora hats as I have on right now as I'm yeah. talking to you. Yeah. It, he normalized a lot of things that were seen as loud Mm. um exuberant you know in fashion Mm -hmm. um and he also made things very just smooth just very smooth very classic he didn't have to do much the best part about michael there's just something powerful in silence Mm -hmm. and not moving if you ever watch you know one of his concerts when he first comes out he stands there for about three four minutes yeah, yeah and people just go nuts yeah. go bonkers. people pass out at michael jackson concert <laughs> just from him standing there yeah 
and the presence of we forget how powerful silence and not moving is so then when you see somebody move and move like he could that's just special and even that movement was like precision and moving enough to convey the message that he wanted to convey but his mm-hmm. choreography wasn't like razzle like, dazzle yeah. like flying all over the place it was really tight it was just really tight precise as you said conveyed a message told a story every single movement had a purpose mm-hmm. um every single one yeah. you know and i can remember watching his 1995 vma performance oh, which God. I still deem the best performance. What do I deem it the best performance ever? And the reason why, you know, he he took you on a journey through his time, but he combined elements of theater and Mm -hmm. theatrics and various types of dance. And he told a story. His performances told a story and it made you want to perform. I don't think anybody watching Michael Jackson didn't have that moment of just walking, doing a thriller dance or snapping or (laughs) noise, you know, it's, you just can't help, but feel a sense of just dance. Yeah. And also like, I think that the contrast between the precision and the lack of excess in the music and the way that he danced that was all like you know so controlled that contrasted with the absolute excess of the spectacle of his live shows his videos being like bigger and more expansive than anyone else's in the world and being these huge events that yeah it was like this perfect mix um he knew when to pull back and he knew when to be Mm -hmm. like as loud as as he possibly could be so, yeah, it's amazing. And and that legacy continues because he's been dead for 12 years or something yeah. like that. And he's still... Still on the charts. Right at the top. Every single year, Thriller mm-hmm. is back on the charts at Halloween time. Yeah. You know, he, he's got the, the Cirque du Soleil show mm-hmm. and people still recognize him. It's like... Michael Jackson or the Beatles. That's like the only two you're really talking about in terms of greatest ever. But nobody will ever doubt his solo masterfy. And I kind of wonder, you know, as, you know, even his family, like, how do you deal with somebody when, when, when you go from the Jackson 5 to Michael just saying, okay, I'm going to step out. And I could, there's a, there was a story that that was that was deemed true la reed jermaine jackson had actually recorded a song called word to the bad um it was basically a michael jackson disc record they were having a feud at the time whatever michael called every radio station not every radio station but called you know the radio promoters and said if you play this song you're not going to get my new record and also called jermaine was or Jermaine was working with producers L.A. Reid and Babyface. And Michael called them and said, if you want to work on my album, you can't work with him. Just killed his whole project. Um, so he was ruthless. Yeah. You know, he was the consummate businessman. I mean, you talk about him buying the Beatles catalog from under Paul McCartney, who was his friend. They had just, they had just recorded a song, The Girl Is Mine. And... The catalog goes up and my, Paul realizes that he's bidding against Michael Jackson. 
and Michael had more money at the time. Yeah, yeah. That, to me, the people forget how savvy a business person he was. At one time, he owned half of Sony BMG mm-hmm. just by owning that catalog and being him. He owned half of the company, and it's a lot of power for yeah a recording artist to have and i'm sure that it scared a lot of executives and definitely changed the industries to where people can't have that artists can't have that amount of power that that amount of control anymore mm. but i mean again his estate maybe doesn't have that much power but they still it's a, a big chunk of uh the revenue that comes in for sony mm-hmm. and like the, the number of streams he's always like number one number two Always since, you know, his music was available on streaming platforms. And I know his estate as well, like, you know, his family and the the people who look after his legacy still have that hunger and want him to be number one constantly. They don't like it if if he dips below. (laughs) So, yeah, I I think it's kind of an ongoing thing. It's 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 so it's so crazy. Even, you know, like you said, the 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 Beatles or Elvis or something like that. Still, even though you know that those are huge industries built around this music that had this really big lasting culture Im- cultural impact it doesn't compare it doesn't co- it doesn't even come close yeah. i mean there's a statue of michael jackson in china there's a <laughs> there was a statue of him in the british museum that was like 10 feet tall the man had a definitely a cultural impact all over the world and also the thing the thing that was really cool to me growing up was his outspokenness in social issues. I mean, Michael Jackson raised a lot of money for HIV AIDS. He also raised a lot of money for child hunger, also raised a money for climate change that we're facing now today in the rainforest. You know, his songs, Heal the World. Um, when you talk about um, the other, when they all came together. Uh, we are the world. We are the yeah, world. Yeah. And then yeah, he had Heal the World. He had We, we Are the World. Earth song, you know, all those songs were just to give money, just to give money. When you can get, you know, Quincy Jones and Lionel Richie and Harry Belafonte, if you can get one artist, you can get Michael to say yes, then everybody else will follow. And that's exactly what happened. If you can get Michael to say less, then then that allowed you to get Diana Ross and that allowed you to get Stevie Wonder and that allowed you to get... You know, Bruce Springsteen, and it just went on and on and on, yeah. but started with the king. And, you know, all those people around him get all tied up in, in his legacy as well. I mean, someone like Quincy Jones, who has a, a, a bigger career as a producer. 100%, but, but he'll always be tied to Michael Jackson, yeah. to, to Thriller, to Off the Wall. Yeah. He'll always be tied to that. And that's exactly right. There's... The way his legacy infiltrates so many other artists, so so much other culture. You know, you can walk down the street and hear his music. You can remember when he died in this city. They were playing his music in Harlem, I think, for like two weeks straight. Just loud. The Michael Jackson impersonators. Just just this past week, there's somebody who they're giving a DNA test. Because he looks so much like Michael Jackson that some fans are saying Michael's alive and whatever. Oh you know, God. it's it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. And, you know, myself, 
growing up in a celebrity family for myself, you know, my dad, Isaiah Thomas, that kind of impact on a child, on his children, Mm -hmm. I can only imagine what that pressure, what that lack of privacy must be like. I mean, to lose your father at that young of age and then share your father Mm -hmm. with the world. You know, you literally, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you about Michael Jackson, who, you know, never had a relationship with, but I feel so attached. You know, I, I, I feel shocked when people don't like his music. I'm like, what do you mean you don't like Michael Jackson? Like, like, it's like, it's like a sac, it's like a sacrilegious thing. Basically saying like, you don't like pizza. Like what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. And it's one of those things, I, I think, especially the music that's come after it as well, the influence of Thriller, the influence of Bad, all, all of those albums, um, it's huge. Like, it really changed the way people listen to music and the kinds of music that people listen to. And obviously, he drew inspiration from a lot of places too, but it was like funneling all of these ideas into this one giant thing. Um, that has then influenced so many other people. So it's like when, when there's like something that has had such a huge cultural impact. You have even, to have respect for yeah. it. You know, I mean, even think about the people who are in his music videos. You know, Eddie Murphy, Patrick Johnson, Michael Jordan, Iman, Naomi Campbell. Like these are iconic names who Tyra Banks, who Michael Jackson, Macaulay Culkin, who Michael Jackson said, okay, I want you. And... <laughs> They wouldn't have become the icons that they were without him. Even Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan being in a Michael Jackson video changed the scope of his career. You know, even, you know, when Madonna dated Dennis Rodman, it's kind of like a equivalent of like things that this is a whole different ball game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if... It's people not being able to separate their ideas of like who he was as a person, his personal life, the rumors about him, the accusations made against him, all of those things from the music. Or if it's just, I mean, I don't know, t- taste is subjective. Maybe, maybe it's a bit of both. Uh, also, not just the music, but all of the, there's, there's so much, his life is so documented in, I mean, as we said before, it's not like there's a lot of private, personal I mean, moments. The, the National but. Enquirer, imagine how much money the National Enquirer made off of Michael Jackson. When you walked through the grocery store of, you know, Kroger, Farmer Jack, whatever whatever store you went to as, you know, an adolescent or now. I mean, they're still selling tabloids mm-hmm. on Michael Jackson stories. Crazy things. Mm-hmm. Like we said, Michael Jackson slept in an oxygen chamber. Michael Jackson, you know, keeps fingernails in in his bathroom like just crazy things michael jackson had a chimp as a friend yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. and i guess it's like the thing that made it even more made people more curious about him is it's like there were obvious things like his appearance changed Mm -hmm. really dramatically throughout Mm -hmm. his life so there are things that you can see that you know that there are changes going on There's, there's things about him that were unusual Mm-hmm. And it allows those other rumors to kind of fester. And it's like, yeah. well, if this is true, then maybe this is true and this is mm-hmm. true and this is true. But it, yeah, it's like we, what we were saying. He, there, there are 
never has been and never will be another person like that. So he's already completely set apart from the rest mm. of humanity. Michael Jackson is the only wax figure that is in every single Madame Tussauds around the world. <laughs> the only one. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants to, to pose and take a picture. It's crazy. Um, did you... Did he do any other movies outside of The Wiz? Like, I mean, there's like the Captain EO thing. Yeah, Captain like EO. That's not Everybody really like loves a, Captain EO. Yeah, that's not really a movie. He made a cameo in Men in Black. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Which was so funny and was kind of him poking fun at himself, you know, because of all the rumors, you know, they, they made him an alien yeah. and he played that part. Yeah. The same thing with uh, that Simpsons episode as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lisa, it's your birthday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it did make you feel like, you know, he's pretty self-aware. Mm -hmm. He, like, understood what the public perception of him was and kind of... And played with it and poked, poked fun at it. And that's the, that's the, I think, a part of the persona and the, the, the cool stuff and the child, you mm -hmm. know, and the, the, the kid with, within us all. Yeah. You know, even... You know, Michael Jackson having a zoo at his house, having, you know, the chimp, having, you know, a, a massive property, mm -hmm. having a, uh, a Ferris wheel, yeah. having a roller coaster. These were all things that not only were interesting, but also like, wow, like he has that, like he can do that. He can, you know, have an amusement park at his house. Like as a kid, you're definitely just like, wow. It's amazing. And I think we forget sometimes or lack lack an understanding of what it is to be super rich. You know, just like I don't know what to do with my money so I can kind of do whatever I want per se. So that's why like I I want a roller coaster. Okay. <laughs> well that did you see that uh Martin Bashir? Documentary, documentary when he went shopping and he's just like one of those one of those one of those two of those and well, let's just have one of everything <laughs> you know like no concept of not even paying attention to how much things cost mm -hmm. just like yeah, you know just get it wrap it up oh, <laughs> charge it to me yep <laughs> <laughs> and that's why the the whole debt allegations mm -hmm. were so like overblown it's like yeah he has debt so does, you know, President Trump has that. You know, <laughs> yes. Like like all yeah. these 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 people are just borrowing against their assets, but as a normal human being, we don't realize what the asset they're borrowing against is. And his asset was him, as yeah. you just talked yeah. about, his estate. His estate is worth like four billion dollars. Like what? He's yeah. a dead man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it keeps increasing. Um there's... and then yeah, with with his with with the weird things of you know the things about changing his appearance you know having we wouldn't you know Velidigo Velidigo became became a common term and it it's now things that you know that it's now something that you notice when as a kid I was like what is that and then I would now I notice you know people skin blotching and mm -hmm. different changes and you know being again super rich why wouldn't you bleach your skin Mm. or you know like why not and then when you look like a white black man albino so to speak okay why wouldn't you fix your appearance to kind of whatever but then you can understand the addiction to you know the anesthesia and the pain and the 
got addicted to painkillers and such because of the procedures that he had to go through. And then after, you know, the whole Pepsi commercial of him Uh having, you know, third degree burns. Right. And that he had to have like, you know, hair transplant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where it started. And it's, he had to keep Michael Jackson. You know, you had to keep that presence. You know, if you, if he had the opportunity, I'm sure to separate, you know, as we said, Michael Jackson from Michael Jackson, Maybe there wouldn't have been so much pressure to have an appearance of him, you know? And I think so much of it, it's like a combination of public pressure and also just all of the stuff from his childhood, mm-hmm. the intense pressure from his father and... People used know. to make fun of his nose. Yeah. yeah so yeah. change it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those things nowadays are kind of just looked at as, okay, you got the money to do it. That's what you want to do. You want a boob job. You want a nose job. Now, of course, you know, I think, you know, there were definitely things that he did to an extreme at the time. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it now, it's kind of like, who cares? And I guess it's all like, no matter. Like Khloe Kardashian had a nose job, liposuction, ass implants, and it wasn't a big thing. Mm-hmm. But we all saw the, tra- we all are seeing the transformation that she don't look like the same Khloe Kardashian of four years ago and i guess it is just like you know people's bodies of their own whatever mm-hmm. they want to do with them is, yeah. is up to them and mm-hmm. um nobody else should really have any say in that no yeah. but you know i guess it is it's I, on the flip side of that it's like when somebody looks dramatically different to how they have looked before and you know the structure of their face is different the color of their skin is different that people are going to yeah. notice the people are going to um, notice i mean anybody can google you know, pictures of Sammy Sosa, the mm-hmm. baseball player, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. He's now white. Yeah. <laughs> little Kim as well. Yeah, Little Kim, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, did you ever get a chance to see him live? I didn't. Yeah. I was too too young. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, my, my dad actually had gotten tickets to the London show for mm-hmm. This Is It. And, unfortunately, he never got to perform that's actually one of my dad's told me that's one of his greatest regrets Mm. is that i never got to see him live and he vowed to me he said that'll never happen again we're gonna start we're going to shows we're going to prince we're going to this oh god that's another one Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah i i got did you see did you get to see prince yes yeah so did i yeah, I'm i'm from minnesota so it's like very 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 personal very personal i think he's (laughs) the artist that I have seen the most times out of anyone. So um, I've seen like, actually, I've seen Janet Jackson 13 times. I, I only saw her once. I saw her the last time that she was here at Barclays center. Um, ugh, just like, there's again. just something about that perfection, mm-hmm. you know, and the Jacksons definitely know. And I don't know if it was from Michael or, you know, Joe or whatever, whatever it was from. They have presence. Actually, one of my one of my friends, he's much younger, um, an artist that I was working with. He was, I think, nineteen or nineteen or twenty at the time, and I was taking him to a Out magazine party where actually Janet Jackson was being honored, mm. and nobody knew that she was being honored until like the day before. Then just all the rumors started happening, and um, I had gotten tickets. And as we're walking in, of course, she pulled up 
And when she was walking in, immediately you just saw his face change as somebody who was not a fan, who didn't understand, didn't wasn't into the music. And then he turned to me and he said, I get it. Like, I get it. There's just yeah. it, the presence, the aura, the the soft spokenness. Yeah. You know, as yeah, as, yeah. as you said, the the real voice and the fake voice. The mm-hmm. the soft spokenness is even, you know, it it's an act. It's Yeah. And it makes you want more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and also just like when I saw her, I think she just turned fifty. Mm-hmm. Like Look great. Everything was the same. <laughs> like she's just, you know, all the choreography, she's full throttle, no holding back. Um, yeah, like perfection. And I think that that's something as fans, especially when, when we're seeing our superstars of our era age and the dancing and the stuff that they did, it's, it's it's going to be interesting to see, like you know, Tina Turner was, mm-hmm. was, was rolling on a river <laughs> forever. Yeah, um, you just wonder how long they go. And you know, I saw I saw Phil Collins actually mm. uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he something happened with his leg, so he had a cane, and he sat the entire time and actually wasn't able to play the drums. Yeah, his back's messed mm-hmm. up too. I think. Yep. So. Not seeing Phil Collins play the drums is basically the equivalent of not seeing Janet Jackson dance, Michael Jackson dance, or right. Prince play the guitar. Yeah. You know, imagine if Prince had a broken arm. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's going to be interesting to see these stars age because when you can't do what you're the best at, you know, you you're not going to see Janet Jackson sing. You're going to see her do her thing. Yeah, <laughs> even Michael, if mm-hmm. you know. Great voice, great whatever, but if he wasn't getting down, I mean that that's one of the main things of why lip syncing became okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was right. like okay. And he was one of the people who could sing and dance at the same time. But right. without lip syncing and some movement, some whatever, it's like you wouldn't get the same show. Yeah. It just wouldn't be it's not humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. But I guess at a certain stage, you know, people just they can do what Tina did, which is, I mean, part of it was that she just stopped enjoying it as much. Mm-hmm. Did you read that uh, interview with her? There was a, a recent interview where somebody mm-hmm. was just like checking up on her and she's like, I live in the South of France. I love my life. I don't want to tour at all ever. I have no desire. I don't miss it at all. I'm really happy. Good. <laughs> it's like, Good for Good. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, that's it is just what, if people can recognize when the time the is human right for being. them to just like, you know, it's it's not the same anymore and I can't um, roll on that yeah. river at seventy seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or however um, old she and is. And that's okay. Like, yeah. you know, we have uh again, speaking of people whose lives are like or at least their performance careers are so well documented, you have all of these amazing performances that are available and it's not the same thing as mm-hmm. new stuff coming out, but tons of stuff to really treasure. Yeah, um, we're we are lucky. That is one of the things that is good about, you know, new media, YouTube mm-hmm. and stuff like that is that we we do have access yeah. to the catalogs, to the libraries. And I can remember watching things on VHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, going to Blockbuster and and if and if the video happened to be there and it was, <laughs> yeah. most of the time it was like, "Oh man, when's yeah. it coming back?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, we we have access to all that now. So it is 
it is good that we can you know, just type into our computer or phone and get, it's all get this. It's all there. Yeah. It's yeah. all there. That's a great. Um, I feel extremely satisfied. <laughs> uh, do you have any last thoughts? Anything else you're thinking? I would just say, you know, to everybody listening to this, that I hope they feel my joy and love for Michael Jackson. And definitely, you know, as a sexual assault survivor and rape survivor myself, I do definitely understand the critics of, you know, the man, but the love of the music. I implore everybody to, you know, don't forget the art of these people of these men and women who have performed over time for us. Love the music. All right. Um, <laughs> great. Uh, if people want to keep in touch or not keep in touch, if people want to know what you're up to, <laughs> yeah, if people want to keep in touch, uh, can I have your phone number? <laughs> um, if people want to find out uh, what you're up to, keep tabs on you, is it like Twitter the best way? Instagram, Instagram is really what I use. I, the most, I, I'm starting to tweet more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like got off Twitter for a bit. And now it's like, I never, I guess it never went away. It just yeah. went away from me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I love Instagram. Yeah. Zeke underscore Thomas. Z-E-K-E underscore Thomas. All right. Um, well, thank you so much. This is great. No, thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. What a great guy, right? Thanks again to Zeke for making time for me. Okay, let's talk recommendations. I saw Dr. Sleep over the weekend, which is the new Stephen King movie. I really liked it. It's based on Stephen King's book, which was a sequel to his classic novel, The Shining, and there are elements of both novels in the film, but it also references Stanley Kubrick's film adaptation of The Shining, which Stephen King famously hated. Mike Flanagan directed it, and I have a lot of time for his work. He also directed Gerald's Game, which was another Stephen King adaptation, and the Netflix House on Haunted Hill series. He had a huge undertaking with Dr. Sleep, trying to balance the three different sources and still make it his own, and I think he did a great job, so well done, Mike! I also have been listening to the new Michael Kiwanuka album called Kiwanuka, and it's great. You may know him from the theme song to Big Little Lies, which is one of his songs. This album was co-produced by Danger Mouse, whose work I really love, and it's a great collaboration. Michael Kiwanuka's voice is really beautiful and unique, and this album has a lot of incredible songs on it, so check that out. And then I also went to a few big gallery shows in Chelsea. I went to the new Yeyoi Kusama show. You may know her work from her extremely Instagrammable Infinity Rooms, and there is one in this show, but I didn't see that because it was a two-hour wait and fuck that. But there was a ton of other amazing stuff in that show that I did see, and I'll put some of that on the internet for you. I also went to an Anish Kapoor show, and you know, it's the same old shit, really. Mirrors bending and warping in different directions. Maybe it's a little basic or populist or whatever, but fuck it. I like it. So deal with me. I'll post some pics of that too. And that's about it. As always, I would greatly appreciate it if you would follow me on social media at Spark Parade. And while you're at it, you can rate and review the show wherever you stream or download it. And then while you're still at it, you can chip in a few bucks on the website so I can keep the lights on. Quite a list of tasks, eh? You can accomplish all of them. I believe in you. Okay, my dears, have a fun and exciting week. Until next time, bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.